Rather, I do think that what Robert O'Hara is doing is sort of asking all of us, how is the picture that you present to the world mostly a lie? Welcome back to No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I'm Jacob Mann Christensen. And I am Jackson Nikolai. Yes, welcome back, everyone. We are here again. We're talking about another great script, and it's a, I don't know, auspicious or of note episode because it is the end of this uh, current season of No Script. So it's the last episode of this season nine. That's right. It's kind of amazing to think we've been doing this for nine seasons, and next season begins season 10 of No Script, which will be five years into this uh, project of weekly conversations around uh, many of the great plays in especially American theater. It's been a delight so far to have these conversations, and uh, as, as many of the things in Jackson and I's lives have changed over five years, uh, yeah. this, this feature of our lives for the majority of the weeks of the year, I mean, in a, in a good majority of the weeks of the year, we've been publishing conversations about plays that we just think are awesome, and, and that's been a, a privilege in and of itself. It's been a privilege to get to share that with all of you, to share the conversations and the connections around these plays, um, to get to do a couple uh, of the of plays that were just really exciting this year and generated a lot of great conversations. So thank you all for being a part of the kind of no script crew out there in podcast land, whether on social media or on Patreon. Thanks so much. It's been a great year for that or a great season for that. Yeah, we have just a, a ton of supporters who have given, you know, financially in terms of uh, offering through our Patreon account some monthly support so that we can afford to do this podcast. That's been a huge blessing. And then also just folks that are listening every week. Uh, it still remains true that each episode we see our listenership rise a little bit. And that means that folks are out there telling other people about the script. We've each had cool encounters uh, with listeners, either in conversations online on our social media platforms or in real life. And that has been a huge, awesome thing to be able to talk about places where we got it wrong or where somebody disagreed with our analysis or where they felt like we could offer some insight just through the value of having conversations about plays has been awesome. At the end of this episode, we will go into our biannual break time twice a year. We take a short couple of weeks off of producing No Script, so that is on its way after this episode. We will be back with season 10 of No Script uh, probably towards the end of January is kind of where we're looking. We'll see how that falls specifically, but rest assured that sometime in the early new year, we will be back with the beginning of season 10 and another season of great plays to talk about. This has been a great season, some really cool scripts, some really interesting scripts in conversation with each other, and I'm sure that will be the case for next season as well. Yeah, yeah, so don't worry, we're not going too far away. Um, we'll be back in just a couple weeks for another exciting season of No Script, the podcast. But what it means for today yeah. <laughs> is that we have uh, one more play to talk about. So we don't want to give short shrift to a great play, a really interesting play, a highly uh, theatrical, crazily dramaturgical play for us to discuss. Um, I, I think this has already happened to me this season. I don't know what it is, but I'm on the back end of another cold. So I might uh. be a little coffee and grossy. Uh, so uh, heads up on that one. And also just be aware that this is a, a complicated play for us to discuss. Uh, it's a great play, but it has some really complicated elements that we're going to do our best to handle. A couple of those elements, though, and this has happened to us a couple of other times across No Script history, are, are going to be, let's call them major spoilers. This is the kind of play that in its initial run 
um, had a kind of no spoilers clause for the reviews that were written about it. Again, we've come up uh, across this problem a couple of times in no script history. And because we are far enough away from that original production, in this case, about eight years, uh, we feel that we are just going to go ahead and do the spoilers. Um, so we're, we're not going to hold back parts of the plot that were originally not talked about in the reviews. Again, this is not a review show. It's a discussion and analysis show. So it'd be hard for us to do that if we were trying to hold some of this stuff back. It's also been eight years since the initial production. But if you are someone who likes to read the plays before engaging with these conversations or alongside engaging with these conversations, this is, or if you have a chance to see this play coming up, for any reason, you may not want to listen to this episode until after you've read the play or seen the play because that initial encounter with what happens in this play is, I think, a part of the experience. So if you have a chance to see the play, which I will now say is Barbecue by Robert O'Hara, if you have a chance to see it coming up or you want to read it, probably do that and then come back to this episode just so that you get that fresh, amazing experience with what Robert O'Hara has done. Yeah, it's got some really unique elements in it, some uh, surprises, both plot-wise and also just the way the play is written-wise. Um, so, so yeah, definitely definitely uh, take, take advantage of that if you want to before jumping into our continued conversation on Barbecue by Robert O'Hara, which I'm excited to get to talk about. I hadn't read this play before. Um, I hadn't had the chance to go see it somewhere. Um, and uh, so it was exciting to read it, uh, exciting to go on the journey of the play while reading it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really interested to see where our conversations leads, leads on this one. Yeah, boy, this is, uh, this is a script that is as inventive in terms of what the stage is doing in the telling of the story as almost anything I've ever read. I find it sort of comparable to a play like Fairview, which we talked about, I think it was the uh, a first episode of the season uh, several seasons ago now. Um, it's, I think it's comparable to that in terms of the fact that the, the stage experience the being in the room experience, the way the to the story is told experience is as much a part of what the play is as the plot, such of it that there is. And that makes it hard for us to talk about. Uh, so this will be an interesting uh, conversation here to see kind of the things that we end up musing on. Uh, but it also just makes it uh, such a, uh, uh, I don't even, I don't know that I have the adjectives to describe how blown away I was by what Robert O'Hara is doing. If you don't know Robert O'Hara, he is a totally uncompromising, bold theatrical voice as a playwright. This is the kind of stuff that he does and challenges the stage, not only with his ideas, but with the power of what the stage can do. And this play is certainly an example of that. Yeah, uses uses all of what theatricality can offer. <laughs> um, and and uh, yeah, yeah, excited to get the chance to talk about it, excited to jump into that conversation. But before we do, I want to take just a second and say a, uh, a distinct thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast for making this show happen. Thank you all so much for being a part of the NoScript community over there. And uh, if you have been enjoying this season and have been, uh, you know, wondering about ways to get involved involved in the NoScript community a little bit more, patreon.com slash podcast is a great way to do that. We love getting to do the show. We love getting to have these conversations. We love that we've been doing it for nine seasons and are going into number 10. Um, uh, alas, it's not a free endeavor. There are some things about running a podcast that cost some money, and our patrons on patreon.com slash podcast make this possible for us. So if you go over there, you'll find a number of different tiers. The lowest one is just $1. We've committed over all of our seasons to saying it on the air that it's just $1 to get into uh, the, the Patreon community over on, uh, on on our Patreon. And that $1 amount over the course of uh, a year, $12, uh, gets you access to Patreon-only posts, early access to scripts that we're doing, all that business. Um, and so if you're looking for a way to kind of be a part of the conversation, be a part of the community in a meaningful way, whether you're a first-time listener and liking what you're hearing so far or uh, a longtime listener looking for a way to get involved a little bit more head on over to patreon.com slash no script podcast and we will see you over there 
Yeah, a huge thank you to those who are contributing financially to making sure that no script can still exist. Uh, it wouldn't be possible for us to do it without your support over on Patreon. Hope that you'll think about it. Thanks to everybody that already is. And now, back to the script. <laughs> I wanted to give you the last one of the I, season. I commandeered I that be, one. <laughs> it would be meaningful for you. <laughs> Hey, okay, so uh, Robert O'Hara's play Barbecue is the subject of our conversation today. As we do, when a new playwright comes into no script, we'd like to give just sort of a brief overview of who they are before we talk about the play specifically. Robert O'Hara is actually a well-known director. Um, he, he's a well-known playwright in the contemporary American scene, but also director. You may have heard his name before when we talked about Slave Play by Jeremy Harris. Uh, he was the director of that Broadway run um, and became sort of a household name amongst the theater folk for his direction of that play, for which he was nominated for a Tony. He's from Cincinnati originally and went to Tufts University in Boston. My understanding is that he studied law before deciding to switch over to theater. Um, when he was at Tufts, he founded the Tufts Black Theater Company, um, who really their mission was dedicated to producing uh, black voices on the stage. And that certainly has become a part of who he is as he's become uh, a mainstay in contemporary American theater. Got his master's degree in directing at Columbia University. He worked at Manhattan Theater Club and the Public Theater for a time before becoming a company member at the Woolly Mammoth Theater Company. In 2013, he won a playwriting residency grant from the Mellon Foundation, which he used to become... My understanding of how it worked is that he used that to become the playwright in residence for Woolly Mammoth. Woolly Mammoth is an incredible theater in D.C., if you don't know it. Um, some of the awards that he has won, he won a 2010 Helen Hayes Award for Outstanding New Play for his play Antebellum. That's sort of a, a household name script that you may know, Ante, I mean, Antebellum. Um, he won the 2015 Lamba Literary Award, for, which is a, an award for drama which features LBG, LGBTQ themes, issues, characters, stories, etc. Uh, that play is called Booty Candy. Uh, very inventive, very funny play. It's actually published in tandem with Barbecue right now. You can buy a two-play mini-anthology of Barbecue and Booty Candy. Um, like I said, he was nominated for a Tony in 2020 for his direction of Slave Play. Right now, he's being talked about because um, the, the summer prior to the pandemic, uh, Robert O'Hara directed a, a revival of Raisin in the Sun, a sort of uh, famous, interesting revival which really focused on the women in the show and their stories and made that kind of the center of the play rather than Robert O'Hara describes the main protagonist typically in that play as being a guy who just sort of wanders in and out of these women's lives and almost causes destruction in them. And so he really wanted to recenter the play around the women's stories. Uh, so that revival was right before the pandemic, then the pandemic happened, and now, post-pandemic sort of he is uh reviving that revival at the public theater off broadway uh so that that's kind of coming back into the discussion is his direction of one of the famous pieces of american theater raisin in the sun barbecue was commissioned by steppenwolf but had its world premiere at the public theater in 2015 it was directed by kent gash an amazing director um and it, it was as as with a lot of Robert O'Hara's plays, actually, the reviews are sometimes a little bit mixed. Everybody is incredibly impressed with what he can do theatrically. And then sometimes there is some, um, some tension around the... Uh, with how complicated what happens on stage is in Robert O'Hara's imagination, like how does that land with the audience is sometimes some of the tension. That's certainly true of this play, although I, I think personally that it's just incredible. But that's some of where the tension arrives in around a lot of the reviews of a lot of his work. Um, and that was true of the New York premiere of Public Theater or the world premiere at the Public Theater. 
of barbecue. But despite that, it had a huge regional theater run all over the country. So here are some regional theaters. This is not a comprehensive list, but if you don't know these theaters, it's just a good list of powerful, influential, meaningful, impactful regional theaters. Uh, 2016, it was at the Geffen Playhouse in Los Angeles. Uh, 2017, it had a stellar year at the Intamin Theater in Seattle. Straw Dog Theater in Chicago produced it at Steppenwolf. Uh, At the San Francisco Playhouse at the Cleveland Public Theater. In 2020, the University of Illinois at Chicago did a production. And then, just this year, 2022, the Black Theater Troupe in Phoenix did a production, and the KC Melting Pot Theater did a production. So in the almost eight years now since its world premiere, it has stayed a part of the regional theater conversation. And given that there are already two productions, at least, having happened in 2022, the chances that there may be a regional theater or university theater in your area that may be thinking about producing barbecue seem reasonably high. So keep your eye out if you have a chance to see this play. It's still part of the public conversation, and it's just an incredible play for you to think about getting the chance to see. Yeah, yeah, it's really be a really exciting production to see. I'm going to be keeping my eye out around my area here. I got a couple regional regional houses and definitely will be keeping an eye out for this one. We're going to jump into a bit of synopsis around it. Again, we'll throw one more last ditch effort to like spoiler alert anyone who would like to have the experience of seeing or reading this play or uh, being in this play or whatever, rather than uh, being a part of this conversation uh, ahead of that. But we're going to jump into a lot of the content of the play right now. So the uh, play Barbecue is set around a barbecue, uh, around a a kind of middle class, uh, uh, maybe lower middle class white family that is uh, gathering for ostensibly a family reunion at this uh, public park. Uh, You can tell that because uh, many of them are wearing shirts that say O'Mallory Family Reunion on them. Um, And uh, slowly this family begins to uh, arrive at this park. We start with James T., who uh, we'll just call James from now on. Um, and uh, he's he's kind of got this, uh, he's on the phone, he's talking on the phone with someone, he keeps co- referring to uh, uh, someone uh, by the name of uh, Zippity Boom, um, and uh, clear that that's their sister, Bar- sister Barbara who is coming, and kind of clear that he has some worry ab- around their sister, sister Barbara showing up at this family reunion. Pretty soon, uh, Lily Ann shows up, and Lily Ann is uh, certainly has the older sibling energy. Um, uh, she's kind of in her fifties or sixties. James is in his forties or fifties. Um, so uh, kind of uh, kind of uh, older siblings, and they all begin to show up, and they all begin to make fun of each other, and uh, and kind of uh, rib each other quite a bit. And everyone seems to be kind of worried about their sister Barbara showing up, who uh, is kind of. Becomes clear that there's some violence that she's that she is capable of. Becomes clear that she has some addictions, uh, both uh, to alcohol and to uh, cocaine that she is dealing with. And uh, slowly, we begin to see more and more the worry of these siblings as more show up. We also get Marie who shows up, uh, Marie and Ad- Adeline um, who show up, and they're go- they're kind of organizing this event with the all of them. And pretty soon, we start to pick up on the fact that this is not just a family reunion but in fact a staging of an intervention for Barbara. Uh, the, the family uh, kind of continues to kind of uh, kind of uh, josh each other and rib each other. All the while, kind of, you get the sense that there's more and more anxiety building around, you know, we got to, like, uh, basically sell that this is a real family reunion, so she shows up. Um, at this point, too, alcohol begins to come out, and a lot of vices begin to show up. They begin talking about each other's vices. Marie, especially, starts to drink quite heavily, um, and and uh, they actually mention it as a, a dependable thing that needs to happen in order to feel like a family reunion, that Marie needs to kind of start drinking quite a bit. And so, uh, I think one- they say that she needs to let Jack Daniels do the talking for her. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly gives you a little um, taste of the humor of this play uh-huh yep <laughs> uh, another kind of important note is this uh other person named Fonzie is bringing her um Fonzie is noted to be, have been in jail and they all talk about how much Fonzie owes the money Fonzie never emerges on stage but Fonzie is bringing Barbara to the event 
and uh, so so they continue to set up this event, and that's kind of the 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 broad s- scope of scene one. Scene two emerges, and the the conversation continues, the action continues. These these uh, people continue to set up uh, this event together. Um, however, uh, notably, the cast changes completely. What was once all white actors is now a cast of all black actors. And it kind of just... Spoiler number one. Spoiler number one. Um, No explanation is made. The scene just continues. Um, Probably some confusion in the moment as you start to wonder, oh, wait, are these different characters, etc.? But pretty quickly, both from referring to each other's names and by the ongoing action... That it emerges that they are they are still siblings preparing for Barbara to arrive. Now in this scene, Marie has gotten quite a bit more drunk. She is uh, kind of uh, flying off the handle quite a bit. Uh, she's uh, making fun of everyone and all of their addictions. Why are we singling singling out Barbara for this, etc.? Um, a, a, a smoking gun sort of emerges uh, with James uh, holding a taser. And uh, he says that if Barbara freaks out enough, I'll use the taser and we'll reset her back to normal. Notably, the zippity boom is kind of like her alter ego that shows up when Barbara goes goes, uh, ballistic. So if zippity boom shows up, he'll uh, use the taser and reset it and they'll be able to have this intervention, blah, blah, blah. Well, eventually, by the end of the scene, Marie uh, is in. Uh, James believes Marie is in need of the taser. She gets so uh, uh, angry <laughs> and and uh, and uh, uh, explodes to the point that James uses the taser on her and resets <laughs> her. Of all um, the things in this play, that's the hardest one for me to imagine how I would do. Like, if I, I mean, obviously, I shouldn't direct this play, but if I were, like. You have to tase someone on stage. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Multiple times, I think, people get tased on stage. Um, (laughs) So uh, eventually she's she's, uh, knocked out, and that's kind of the end of scene two. Scene three picks up, and it's the white cast again. Same characters. Marie wakes up and doesn't know what happened because she was so drunk. (laughs) Um, And and, uh, they they basically say you blacked out after you were talking about uh, one thing or another. And uh, they continue to try to plan this intervention. Now, uh, what comes clear in this act or this scene is Lily Ann has planned for the uh, the intervention to lead to Barbara getting checked into rehab, and it's not just like an in-city rehab. She has this whole place set aside in Alaska. Like it requires a plane to get there. It's a beautiful rehab facility with like horses and yoga and all sorts of things, um, far enough away that she knows for sure uh, Barbara won't be able to just like hitch away from there and uh, kind of, I believe she is kind of honestly hoping that uh, Barbara will go there and have this experience and reset um, reset her, her, uh, her life. Uh, so, so, uh, now, now the rest of the family isn't necessarily on board with this. They start to, uh, resist that quite a bit. Uh, they're like, what, we have rehab centers right here. It's going to be impossible to get her on a plane. What happened is Zippity Boom shows up and it's it's not going to work. Um, it leads to them kind of continuing this fight on and on and on to the point that they see Barbara coming and the fight is not done. Barbara pulls up, um, uh, they see her coming and all of a sudden they kick into, okay, it's go mode. We got to pretend that we're in a reunion. Um, uh, they are still fighting with, uh, Lillianne and not, uh, necessarily, uh, believing that it's all going to work it's to the point that Lillianne is kind of like yells and freaks out and lets them know that this is the way it's going to go. She's going to get on the plane. She's going to go to Alaska. Um, this is an intervention. Let's keep this going so that we can trick her into coming here only to turn around and see that Barbara is right behind her and has heard the whole thing. That's the end of scene three. Scene four, again, the black uh, actors are all in the cast of, of, of the family. And one of the best smash cuts in the whole play is we go from that moment where Barbara hears <laughs> Lillianne saying that to Barbara tied up <laughs> and duct taped her mouth shut <laughs> up against the post as the family is reading their like confessional letters to her. <laughs> so uh-huh. a whole fight has happened to get Barbara... <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, subdued enough to listen to her family read the intervention letters to her. They do. They uh, read through the intervention letters. Um, uh, again, uh, th- as they get through it, uh, obviously Barbara isn't saying anything. She uh, She's gagged. Um, but uh, they, the the scene progresses, and uh, eventually, uh, it, the 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 kind of three siblings of Adeline, Marie, and James 
are, are fully convinced that there's no way that she's going to go to Alaska. So Lillianne kind of takes them off to the side, asserts that she is going to Alaska, kind of tries to get them to uh, admit to uh, ad or uh, agree to doing it and actually threatens everyone that she's going to do it. Not only does she threaten Bar the, the siblings, but she threatens Barbara that she will call the police. She will turn her in. She'll stop ch cashing her disability checks, etc. Um, and that kind of triggers Marie, who uh, has some contraband on her. It's become clear throughout uh, the, the kind of conversation that she has some uh, crack cocaine on her and has been using it. And so uh, she she is resistant to her calling the police and ends up tasing <laughs> Lillianne. <laughs> So Lillianne goes down. They tie her up. Eventually she comes back down, though, and uh, she <laughs> she's untied and kind of brought back into the conversation, and a bet is made. She says that she will, uh, she, she believes that she can get Barbara to go to Alaska. The family, the rest of the siblings all say, there's no way she's ever going to do that. We want your car in your house if you can't get her to go. She says, all right, fine, I'll bet my car in my house if you all go to rehab and, uh, and uh, if, if, if she does go to Alaska. The uh, scene continues to uh, uh, kind of lead towards that. Um, uh, there's one last kind of pitch made towards to Barbara, and eventually they, they kind of pull the, the duct tape off of her mouth, and she's about to kind of, you know, say whatever she's going to say about, about whether she'll go to rehab or not. A deal is made between Lily Ann and Barbara, or at least Lily Ann tells her that she'll give her all the money and stuff if she just goes to rehab, and then all the siblings will go to rehab, and we might be able to all get our lives back, etc. Barbara, Barbara's uh, tape is taken off her mouth, and... All of a sudden, everything changes. Cut is called loudly in a very film set sort of way, um, and it's pretty clear uh, that that uh, the the uh, the the whole sort of scene is taking place on a set. The white cast comes on stage, all in plain clothes, and kind of begins to interact with uh, the black cast, and in kind of. Uh, 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 a surreal almost moment, at least from where we've been, we kind of fade to black on this Hollywood set of people. Uh... Spoiler number two. <laughs> number two. <laughs> so then uh, act two begins. And act two starts with uh, the actor who was playing a uh, white Barbara and uh, the actor uh, playing uh, black Barbara or black movie star Barbara, as her character name is in the play. Um, and they're at a park. Um, it's months previous to the, at least to the, the, the Hollywood set scene. And they're talking about how uh, White Barbara, these are the character names in the, in the script, White Barbara has written this book about her experience of rehab and her family sending her there, that Hollywood is optioned for a film. However, they want to cast the entire cast as black actors to make it more, I believe, authentic is the, is the word that a uh, uh, black movie star Barbara um, uses to, to uh, kind of talk about how, the, how Hollywood is wanting to cast this. And uh, she is signing on, or seeing if she wants to sign on to this project because she thinks it's going to make her a bunch of, not, not not really money, but win her a lot of awards. Surely there's money involved too. But the reason she gives is it's going to win her a bunch of awards. Uh, she has been a singer for a long time, transitioning into being an actor, and she thinks that this movie is going to be great. So she wanted to meet the real uh, Barbara in this park and kind of imagine and get into the role, etc. Well, what follows in this scene, I'm going to sum it up kind of quickly. It's a big scene uh, between these two. Uh, you slowly start to kind of see that uh, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of what is being presented isn't necessarily true. White Barbara has written this story um, and has kind of embellished some of the details, um, but but that not all of them were even true from her her telling of it. And she admits to uh, uh, the uh, uh, black movie star Barbara that um, she is uh, not not um, uh, necessarily been truthful in her account of it. Slowly, slowly, uh, more and more is revealed about that. We also uh, hear a lot more about. Uh, movie, black movie star Barbara and how she is trying to kind of uh, make a transition out of going to rehab herself and trying to move into this uh, this space of, of uh, a successful movie actor, etc. 
the scene ends with, uh, well, throughout the scene, uh, uh, White Barbara is resisting uh, the urge to kind of go into zippity-boom mode. Um, uh, she's trying to stay healthy, etc. And and by the end of the scene, Black Movie Star Barbara brings her a present, which is in fact beer and and cocaine and a pipe, and tries to cue a response of zippity boom to get her to kind of uh, have go into this mode so she can get into the character more. And that's kind of where the scene ends. Um, what follows is another time jump. We go, I believe, six months prior to that when uh, Barbara has gotten out of rehab. This is real life Barbara. Getting out of rehab, getting a party thrown for maybe, her. maybe. <laughs> and, and I'm not sure how clear it is at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a little murky, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll, I'll hold to it for now. Um, uh, uh, re, uh, Barbara has returned from rehab and is meeting her family, who are throwing her a party, and she says, "Hey, I got I was while I was in rehab. It, it, first of all, it all worked great. I also, I wrote this book, and this book has been optioned for Hollywood. Also, I lied about a lot of the details about how this all happened, so we got to get our story straight. Otherwise, we won't get the money." <laughs> for for the, the for the film if if people find out that I lied about all this stuff so the family is kind of slowly warmed up to that. Um, a lot of the kind of pertinent details about like her her siblings' addictions. Uh, her uh, one of her sisters, Adeline, I don't think I specifically mentioned, has cancer in or had cancer in the first four scenes. Um, doesn't necessarily have cancer now. Um, uh, and so she, they, they're trying to like piece together this uh, this tale as as uh, she gets a call from her agent saying that she uh, there's a director and likely an actor that she has to meet and they're gonna go in into uh, uh go into a go mode on this and make some money as a family and uh, make this film last scene of the play is a kind of a great theatrical scene it leaves it open to whatever uh the the these the, the given production company wants to do uh for sure some audio is played if not some video is played of the oscars and a number of uh, kind of critiquey uh, descriptions of movies are are thrown out um of the four other films nominated for best picture um uh but one of the films nominated for best picture is barbecue and it wins and so everyone uh runs up to stage it's clear that the 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 white uh cast uh of the you know real quote-unquote real life uh uh a family um is there and kind of dazed um while uh the, the the black cast is also up there and they're uh, uh kind of glowing and accepting the awards um uh, black movie star Barbara accepts the awards, gives an eloquent speech, and invites uh, white Barbara up to make a speech who's kind of dazed and uh, sits there at the mic. And that's kind of where the lights go to black is uh, all of these, uh, this both casts on stage at the Oscars having uh, one best picture for this story um, and, uh, and kind of uh, ridden the ride out to that moment as the lights go, go, go down. So that's... <laughs> Ooh, that, kind of, yeah, that was a it's, marathon. It's a Good wild work. one. <laughs> it, it, a lot of intricate it, weaving. It's hard. It's hard to capture what really happens in this play because so much is going on in terms of the layers of theatricality that are, that are being put up by uh, uh, yeah. Jesse Oxfeld, who's a uh, reviewer for The Hollywood Reporter. He describes it this way. They are both a family and not a family, both white and not white, and their gathering with burgers on a grill in the park both is and is not a barbecue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, again, I think I use the word ostensibly. Um, uh, there's like some, you know, maybe there's a barbecue happening at some point, but it's 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 like... It's uh, you're you're constantly waiting for it and waiting for the pieces to be uh, to to come together, whether or not it'll actually work or not. And it, it, it's it's a strange play in that it's it's almost two plays. The second feeding from the first, because the the first half of the play, as you described, is this fake barbecue that's actually an intervention with this kind of, uh, you know, kind of classic American stage, like bad family, family that you hope is not your family kind of family. And they're, they're, they've got this incredible way of talking, this really specific sort of dialect and, and, and way of speaking that Robert O'Hara has written them in. And they go back and forth between being white and being black. And if that were the whole play... 
that would be an incredible theatrical imagination at work on stage. And it would challenge our ideas of how we think about addiction and poverty and recovery and white supremacy and all of these things. If that were the whole play. And you so you have this, it's big satire, big dramaturgical imagination. And then the whole thing shifts and you get this extended. I mean, you were right to describe this scene between the two Barbaras, the white Barbara and the black movie star Barbara, as being long. It's an extended scene where what you get is incredible character work, incredible, incredible dram- dramatic writing, incredibly deep moving push and pull between these characters as both of them sort of work on the other to get the other to admit the ways in which the story they've told about their lives are both a lie. And that, of course, is what happens in the climax of the scene. And then we kind of go back to big satire in this sort of uh, classic awards show with big fake satirical movie titles and all this stuff. It's it's a play that happens in big sweeps. Um, And each sweep is distinct from the other, but builds on the other. Yeah, yeah, you get more information. And it's and but but it's not like it's not like uh you know a mystery play or something like that where it's like you get like a tiny detail that like forms the foundation for all of the stuff that comes later. It's big. I I like big sweeping as as the word that you use. It's big revelations. <laughs> Almost every scene that you get of just like, "Oh, wow, whatever I thought was happening before is is not happening." Um something new has shifted my perspective uh about both both my perception of uh, uh, uh this this play does a lot about uh, I think a lot of work on assumptions and perception. Um and how uh, you know each each subsequent revelation makes you realize both that you were assuming something or falling into a narrative um, that that is either a common one or or a kind of a knee-jerk one um, that maybe wasn't necessarily true. And some of that is to do with lies. Some of that is to do with perception. Some of that is to do with Hollywood and how we tell stories um, in in our culture. And so each each of those revelations offers one more like kind of um, uh, beat of critique. Um, for both your experience and and the judgments that we make as a society. And Robert O'Hara has talked about being inspired by like big reality television as kind of one yeah. of the core inspirations for this play. And you really get that sense of deception and Hollywood and stereotype and assumptions that fuel so much of that American reality TV. It's almost American reality television is almost playing on your assumptions as an audience member more than anything else. I feel yeah. like I've, I've felt that way about reality television for a long time and and so Robert O'Hara then takes that to the next level and this whole first half of the play where the characters switch races back and forth is almost a meditation on your assumptions I mean one reviewer I don't have this one in front of me so I'm apologizing for not having the reviewer's name one reviewer talked about how like in the first scene where they're all white cast members, like you think of them as white trash, right? The, the way that they talk, the addictions, the sort of family life that they have. There is this like sort of underlying uh, reality of like white trash, whatever that means to you. And then when they become a black cast, it's like, well, now what? Black trash? Like what? How does this right, now yeah. all of a sudden, how are my assumptions flipped on my head? How is, how is the way that I've thought about these characters and their addictions changed it's it's mm-hmm. something that happens in you i mean in terms of what happens on the stage the characters don't know they're switching races the story just moves ahead the change is happening in you in the audience yeah yeah and the, the other the, then the other big shift that at least in my when i was reading it um the, the kind of interior shift when i discovered that it's on a set like what that that was also a really interesting beat for me, which is which is fascinating because you're watching a play, right? You're 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 like like the 
the betrayal that I felt is a testament to what plays do. That um, as I was kind of watching the first four scenes, I was like, I'm watching something real. I'm watching something artful. There's something there's something strange happening with this cast kind of flipping back and forth. But but boy, this is genuine. And then all of a sudden it's on a movie set. And I was like, oh, well, I feel like this was all staged. Um, the play is staged. Um, so it's, uh-huh. it is just a fascinating examination of like how we how we consume story and how we how uh, when when something is switched on us. Um, or, or a little bit of the curtain is revealed, the person pulling the levers is revealed, what does that do to uh, what we've been assuming the whole time? Yeah, and, and the reveal that everything is on a Hollywood set, to me, is mostly a setup for what you're going to see in the next act. I mean, partially because the original productions of this play with the reviews didn't reveal the Hollywood set thing. That was the big spoiler that everybody kept under the hat. Um partially because of that a lot of the talking around this play has talked about what Robert O'Hara did in the first act the big dramaturgical imagination of of sort of a bad family play about addiction but with the cast switching back and forth between being black and white and what does that do to the story and your assumptions and all of that right which is incredible again could be its own play it's amazing right but i don't feel like there's been enough talking and credit given to how good the second act of this play is. And I, and I want to set aside the award show thing and even the scene where White Barbara goes back to talk to her family. And I just want to talk about the scene between White Barbara and Black Movie Star Barbara. Um, it's incredible. I mean, it, it truly, although the first act is so dramaturgically imaginative, the second act is where Robert O'Hara shows off what he can do as a dramatist. It is a absolutely phenomenal scene for two actors. Yeah. The way that these two characters push and manipulate each other, they peel back layer by layer, the old Shrek onion thing, all the layers of deception that each of them have used to craft the story of who they are. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a fascinating study so so yes to all that and like the, the the power dynamics of it is also really fascinating um to to kind of see it see it see it all come up because uh, black movie star barbara has quite a bit of uh physical power we know that she has uh, security guards in the area she's able to lock down this whole park she has monetary power as well though this the the possibility of this movie happening rests in in her signing on to it at least this movie succeeding perhaps let's say that it's it's likely that 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 the movie will happen in some way um but the likelihood of it actually working um and working in a timely manner for white barbara rests on her but it's fascinating to see white barbara then also utilize some of her power and her power is more in knowledge because uh black movie star barbara is there to find out something about white barbara and how she manipulates that is really compelling and interesting and and brings it out of her eventually but uh white barbara knows stuff about black movie star barbara because she's in tabloids because she's watched her because she knows uh some of her story and so she that's that's some of her power use in this scene as well as she once once uh, she kind of ends up on the back foot a little bit. Her return to uh, equaling the score in terms of power comes from her knowing a lot about what Black Movie Star Barbara has been going through and uh, maybe a, a bit more about her lies at the start of the scene than the other way around. Yeah, it, it, both of them have this sense from the beginning of the scene that they know the other one has constructed a kind of fake identity or an identity built around a story that's not true, that they're both liars. And I, and I don't think that's supposed to be uh, a judgment on those specific two characters. Rather, I do think that what Robert O'Hara is doing is sort of asking all of us, how is the picture that you present to the world mostly a lie? How, how do you construct layers of identity around stories of your life that are not true at, at face value? Yeah, yeah. And, and what is the what is the both the effect and the consequence of them? Because you have you have uh, White Barbara telling the story about while she was in rehab, she read this great story that helped her out a lot. Um, that was that was some, someone who had recru- recovered from their addictions and how how they were able to kind of overcome it. And then she gave it to someone else. 
and uh, that's that someone else slapped it out of her hand and uh, said that it's all fake. And when uh, White Barbara went back and and looked at it, it did in fact say that there's embellishments made in the story. Names are changed, uh, events are changed. It's you know, it's it doesn't say that it's fiction, but essentially a lot of this is made up to tell a good story. Um, and and though it helped her out of a significant moment of her life, there is something that cheapens when you discover that it, that what you thought was a true story is not a true story. Um, and well, so, but that's what's interesting, though. Yeah. Because I mean, the other character in that scene, black movie star Barbara, does not react to that revelation as if it has cheapened the story. It's right. actually the reverse. It really seems that black movie star Barbara's goal in this incredible long, it could be a one act in and of itself, except that you need a little bit of setup to understand it. It, it seems that her goal across this long second act is, I want to know that this was fake. I want to know that this was embellished and a lie. And only when she knows that does she really dig her teeth into doing the project. It seems as if learning that was the thing she was out to learn all along. She's yeah. almost overjoyed by the discovery. And, and there's a great line in there. It's like, we've all, I'm not quoting it exactly, but like the line is like, we're all lying all the time. That's what I was here to discover. It's it's almost as if the idea that this story was true was the thing she was trying to overcome. Yeah, the, she she has a couple lines about it being like now it's human. Now this is this feels like a real human story because all humans are lying to some extent. Um and and I I agree that 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 like for her for her it's 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 like this exciting moment of of yes, this I thought so. <laughs> and now I can kind of dig into the role. There's a great pairing of lines, and now I've found them, so I'm going to read them real quick. Um, so right after it's sort of revealed that White Barbara's recovery and, and, and rehab story was mostly fake, uh, White Barbara says, you still want to do the movie? Black movie star Barbara, of course I'm going to do the movie. White Barbara, even though you know I made it all up, Black movie star Barbara, you don't get it, do you, darling? We all make it all up. And then later, after some other revelations about Black movie star Barbara's life, Black movie star Barbara is sort of threatening not to do the project. She says, you're ready to throw this all away. White Barbara says, you don't get it, do you, darling? We have already thrown this all away. So there is this symmetry in the storytelling that Robert O'Hara does so subtly and so masterfully of each of them learning the other's story is not what it's presented as. And that sort of, in, in, in retrospect, you realize that's what the whole scene has been about. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's 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 been that slow discovery and then that 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 revelation feeds into all of the like both feeds backwards into the scenes that you've seen before and then also into the subsequent scene which is which is a, a return to the family. So with that information, you re-engage uh what your what your experience of this family was so so the way that it comes out in that scene has like wave and ripple effects for the whole play i i agree with that it certainly has ripple effects i however i probably feel there there were some reviewers that talked about incredible first act so powerful confrontation between the two barbaras one of the great pieces of playwriting i've read recently but i don't like where it goes after that was sort of some reviewers felt like the scene where she goes back to her family and then the award show scene maybe cheapens the interaction between the two barbers a little bit or at least doesn't end the play as powerfully as it maybe like what if the play ended at the end of the two barbers and robert o'hara is a better dramatist and theater thinker than i'll ever be <laughs> so i don't i don't pretend to know more about his play than he does but my feeling might align with some of those reviewers i think that scene between the two barbers is so great that i'm almost loathe to leave it and to go back to some of the other stuff he's been doing. I just think that the, the, the evolution of the play from this back and forth, highly dramaturgically imaginative family play into this confrontation between two people about sort of the nature of how we tell stories about ourselves. And then to go, it feels to me a little bit like we're going backwards in the play is just sort of an odd shape and structure to me. Hmm. That it is. It is interesting the sort of time wibbly wobbliness that we get into, and in there it's certainly like it's it's another adjustment. It certainly feels disruptive to try to to try to do that. And I also agree that 
the, the, the piece that like maybe didn't hit me necessarily in the reading, but has just kind of hit me now as we're having this conversation is that the scene between white Barbara and black movie star Barbara, though on the page kind of feels like you're engaging two new characters for the first time. Um, because, because of, uh, because Barbara hasn't spoken <laughs> in the previous scenes at all. Um, no, that's in, a good in, point. Yeah. In, in any of her iterations. And so to find, to finally kind of be with these characters for the first time, it feels sort of fresh. However, you have seen them both before and you've seen them uh, previously. So, so the sort of new prism or lens that we get having finally heard the voice of this character uh, or the, the, the actors who play this character at least um, is is a really compelling scene in that way, um, uh, and it and it would be interesting if it was the punctuation. I too, I I, I I enjoy the final critique in the last scene of how like what films are nominated for best picture and and the 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 especially because of the the uh, the uh, the illumination of the lies sometimes that go into the forming of the stories that make those best picture movies. Um, but but it does feel odd. Um, uh, cer- certainly uh, after that that powerhouse of a first scene of Act Two. Yeah, I, I wonder if some of what Robert O'Hara is doing is trying to give us a an actual conclusion to what we saw in the first act. That it it maybe feels like we we spent time with this family. And then it just sort of all stops. And so he's trying to provide some sort of um, resolution to that. And I, I wonder if maybe do we, do we have to have resolution or is that maybe part of the play is this unresolved story? Uh, clearly, it's not to Robert O'Hara and that's all fine. But I, I sort of feel like what you do is maybe right. I enjoy the Oscars scene. I mean, I think it's fun, but I think the scene between the two Barbaras is masterful. I mean, yeah. absolutely masterful. And so to go from masterful to fun seems like a step in a, an interesting direction to me. <laughs> <laughs> we are coming down to just about the end of our time for this particular script. It's a script that like is 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 full of those you know full full of those like conversations after sort of moments because you have the you have your your perceptions that you went through your neighbors perceptions that they went through and also quite a bit of details that are all like woven really intricately that are just fun to like pick apart and bring out and talk about how it made you feel so uh, definitely uh, if you if you have the chance go see this play read this play um, uh, be a part of this play if it's in a region and you are able to be a part of it and then come and talk to us about it or if you've already done it talk to us about it right now um we'd love to keep talking about this play with all of you you can find us on facebook instagram or twitter at the username at no script podcast we also have a gmail no script podcast at gmail.com find us on any of those sites we'd love to keep talking about barbecue with you Absolutely. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you've enjoyed this season, which is now very much at a close, if you've enjoyed any of No Script, we encourage you to pass us on to your family, your friends, anybody you know that likes theater stories, reading, conversations about great plays, send them our way. They can find us on Podbean, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, some other podcast places out there, as well as YouTube now. Uh, You can also like us on Facebook and a link to the new episode will appear on our page every monday it's an easy place to just click and play from there yes indeed and as has become our kind of final episode of the season tradition we wanted to take a second and thank all of those patrons uh by name who have uh, become patrons at the playwright level um thank you all so much for being a part of uh the the uh, making of this podcast and being sure that we get to continue having these great conversations about theater's best scripts thank you to albert to brennan to brock to david to joanna to kyle and lisa and to roger thank you all so much for uh being a part of this community and uh and thank you to all of our patrons who have been over to patreon.com slash no script podcast you make this show possible absolutely we could not do it without you and to everybody that supports us on patreon or who is a weekly or regular listener having that community around our podcast is certainly as jackson said what makes doing it possible We're looking forward to seeing you next season. Again, we'll be back sometime in the early new year. Until then, we will see you next time. I'm Jacob Mann Christensen. And I am Jackson Nikolai. Thanks for listening to No Script, the podcast.